Hello everyone, and welcome to the first episode of From Cult to Consciousness. I have been very excited to get this first episode done, and ultimately I, I'm doing this uncut because, frankly, I, I don't know how to edit it. I've never really done a podcast before, and um, I've, I'm recording this on a £10 microphone. I've got a broke setup. I am doing it on my phone. But who cares? Because you can hear me, and that's all that matters. So, with that out of the way, you should know that every episode I will be having a cup of deliciously, beautifully, fantastically made coffee because that will be the ritual for this podcast anyway let's get down to business right i know it's it's a it's a weird subject because a lot of people or a lot of you have known me for a very long time and i've never spoken about this Now, the reason I haven't spoken about this is because I genuinely, very genuinely, only found out that I was part, well, this this group that I grew up in was a cult a few years ago. I know that may sound completely bizarre, and in one of my next episodes, I will tell this story because it's it's hilarious and mind-blowing, honestly. But for the first episode, I, I'm telling you now, I've gone over it a million different ways because I, I don't know, none of them seemed to do the subject justice. And I wanted to make sure in the first episode that I communicate this with everyone properly so that nothing is left to interpretation. And right off the bat, I think the biggest concern I know everyone is going to have is with the word cult, right? It's a loaded word. That holds a lot of weight and for good reason because there has been some seriously tragic things happened to some of these people that were in cults but for that reason I almost felt hesitant to lump my experiences in with the cult that I grew up in with what one would define as a cult um, because I, I quite frankly only experienced good things however just because I didn't experience the really bad side of the group, it doesn't mean that that side didn't exist. Because if I painted that picture, that would be naive and ultimately insensitive to those who did have horrific experiences, which there are plenty, a whole plethora. Right, um, I'm going to let you know that I have spent many hours analysing the definitions of cults because I didn't want to get it wrong and the 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 definitions of cults cults and sects with a t not sex and what would constitute either one of them and one thing for sure is that it's bloody it's bloody hard to define there's such a broad definition of these two and everyone seems to have a goddamn different opinion on it or a slightly different definition um 
it actually, it, weirdly enough, it actually reminds me of the problems they had when they were trying to regulate pornography. Because, well, to do this, they had to come up, or they at least had to come to a consensus of what defines pornography. You know, at what level would you say a video of, of two people, uh, you know, engaging in sexual activities, what point would you say this is now pornography? It's, it's tricky. And one thing that I'll never forget hearing is one of the, I don't know, congressmen or woman, whoever it was, they said, pornography, we should look at as this. When you see it, you will know. As in, when you see this motion picture, you will know whether it's pornography or not. It's implicit, but it's explicitly implicit, if you catch my drift, or if that even makes sense. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, with all of the those complexities aside, I am now convinced that that's what best defines what it was, a cult. And I'm going to be using that word because, frankly, that's what it was. By definition. So I think the plan for this first episode is just to explain what the group was. Super cut and dry. I don't want to dress up it dress it up with my own experiences just yet because I want to try as accurately as possible to give an objective explanation of who they were, why they did what they did, and ultimately um yeah, ultimately why. So let's start with what is a cult, right? Just for anyone that doesn't know, I think that the best way to describe it to someone who doesn't really have a lot of knowledge on the subject is basically this unwavering devotion to a certain belief. And most commonly, it's, it's a breakaway from a certain religion. So, for example, the cult that I grew up in was a Christian subset. Its inception was in 1960s, I'm pretty certain. Um, and it, this was the Jesus movement era, you know. The, the Jesus movement was the belief that, you know, the following, uh, sorry, following the, um, the rules of the Old Testament were outdated, inefficient, and unpractical, really. Uh, the Jesus movement was the promotion of love. You know, do unto others as they would have them do unto you. Treat thy neighbor as yourself. You know, quotes that quotes that simply stood the test of time and are undebatably, intrinsically, morally sound. They genuinely are to anyone, inside or outside of religion. Um, so a cult is a group that has one leader, and they usually class themselves as a prophet, a chosen one perhaps, or even in some extreme cases, God himself. These leaders are always extremely charismatic, passionate, and, and very convincing. Um, it's certainly not that they are who they say they are, say chosen or prophet or God or whatever, 
it's that their personality along with their belief system a strong belief system at that is magnetic they are so confident that they hold the truth they convince a lot of people and the consequence of that is that they can get their following to do bizarre things a tragic example of this is jim jones horrific thing it's probably the one of the worst things in what what got everyone very scared of cults and for everyone anyone who doesn't know who jim jones is he's basically the guy that set up the cult uh, i'm pretty sure it's called the the people's temple something like that and um long story short he created his own little uh which, you, which could you even call it a, cu- a country it called jonestown it's a very original name and very creative jim jones with jonestown <laughs> you know could have come up with a better name um but he convinced all of his following to commit suicide and at that point living in jonestown there was close to a thousand people so when you know the this went on the news you would see pictures of literally a thousand people just laying on the floor dead and he convinced them that you know they had to kill themselves to i don't know perhaps it was reach enlightenment or whatever it is i don't have all of the details but it's it's shocking but that's what you know a very convincing person can do right let's get back to a couple more characteristics of a cult um a cult usually segregates themselves from society and makes it very hard for their members to leave they often can do this by perhaps making them financially dependent on the group or through psychological manipulation things of that sort um let's go for one more characteristic um what comes to mind and by mo- by no means is this the actual last characteristics of a characteristic of a cult because this it goes on for ages as i bloody described in the beginning um, but what I can think of is perhaps that they, they actually, here's a good one, they limit the information that you're, you're allowed exposure to from the outside world. And this is done deliberately so that, you know, you, you don't get two sides to a story. If someone's, if you're getting fed one message day after day after day, and in Jim Jones, he would have speakers say, you know, you know, uh, in the camp or in the, I don't even know what you let's just call it a country the Jim Jones country um, <laughs> uh, yeah you'd have speakers like those massive like flagpole speakers um, just rambling a bunch of shit that he was um, he was talking about and I'd imagine this day after day after day you're hearing one side of the story so they limit the uh, exposure that you have to the outside world so that you only have one side which is whatever message they're trying to indoctrinate you with. Right, now, before I start talking about the group I was raised in, I just want to draw on some parallel, perhaps, to the world um, that you, the listener, live in. Because, you know, um, it's so, so that it doesn't all seem too far-fetched, because I can imagine to someone that's first listening to something like this it seems bizarre and highly unrelatable i think that simply listening to this you're probably thinking that you know whoever 
listens to a cult leader is crazy and they're an idiot. However, that's, that's not always the case. And to try and make this more relatable, I think that the most simple example I could think of is the child-parent relationship. I think when you're a child, you believe pretty much whatever your parents tell you is correct because you believe they've got the answers. And of course they do. They're your parents, right? You know, they, they're they supposed to equip you with what you need to survive and hopefully thrive in the real world when you leave the nest. And the result of this is that you commonly see people reaching adulthood and still embodying those same worldviews or belief systems that their parents taught them as children. It doesn't really matter whether there was any truth in what they told you, you believed it, and perhaps subconsciously still do, because your parents are the smartest people in the world, well, at least at that age. But, you know, why, don't, why do you think that religions are predominantly locked to certain geographical areas? If there was an undeniable truth about a certain belief system or religion, why don't you find loads of Muslims in England? Or why don't you find loads of Christians in the Middle East? It was because culturally, it doesn't make sense. And what is culture? It's purely the things that your ancestors believed in and did, passed down from generation to generation. So you can see how influential this is. Now, I don't mean to say that people believing in the teachings of a cult leader are childlike. I'm simply suggesting that it doesn't necessarily need to be a whole lot of truth and validity in the message or whatever they're telling you. It just needs to be from an influential person and come from someone who's convincing like your parents were as a child. And I think to some degree, we all have cult-like beliefs, you know, groups that we identify with that aren't necessarily factual. Everyone has someone they look up to. I mean, I know I do. It may be someone that, you know, or like you know, perhaps, or even more likely someone that you don't know personally, but you just admire them for what they do. Maybe it's someone who's achieved something that you would like to achieve yourself. And when they say, this is how you make money, you listen. When they say, this is how you get fit, you listen. If they say, I think this person is stupid, let's go kill them, you go do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a stupid joke. Um, but when they say, I, I think this person is stupid, you listen because in your mind, they've already stabbed, you've already established. Um, that this person is trustworthy and you perhaps relate to them. You look up to them. I mean, look at look at fucking Donald Trump. <laughs> I watched um, a, a journalist go to one of the Trump rallies and speak to people that are Trump supporters. Now, as everyone knows about Trump, he's always rambling on about fake news, fake news. And one of the things to combat this, he tells everyone, read the transcripts. Everyone needs to read the transcripts, and the transcripts are basically, there's always a person in, in meetings and interviews, they're typing away, 
um, and and recording what's actually being said so that the news and the, the media can't uh, sensationalize it. So he tells all of his, his supporters, read the transcripts. So this journalist goes around and he goes to the, the Trump supporters and he asks them, do you think it's important to read the transcripts? And they're like, yes, yeah, so important, so important. And he says, well, well, do you, do you think that everyone should read the transcripts? And all of the supporters, again, say everyone should read the transcripts. And lastly, <laughs> he asks them, have you read the transcripts? And <laughs> every single one of them, and I'm talking, he, he uh, interviewed like 10 of them. It's, it's comical. They were all like, God, blah, 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 blah. No, well, uh, I don't need to read the transcripts because I, I already know. And <laughs> but this is it. It's like Trump is almost like this, this cult-like leader, which he just says something and everyone just blindly follows. They don't actually read the transcripts. But they just tell everyone else how important it is and they just say yeah Donald Trump knows what he's talking about fake news so that's probably the most relatable down-to-earth um, parallel I could draw to <laughs> to uh, a cult leader and even if you go online you um, the first thing that you if you typed in Donald Trump and then see it'll be like cult uh, because he certainly has that effect on people so to think that this cult-like following can extend itself to the world of politics Oh, it's frankly quite quite scary. But now that we've got all of that out the way, I promised to speak on the one I was raised in. And I'm going to try to do my best just to run through the facts and events without explaining why too much, why it all happened, because otherwise I'll ramble and this episode will be of goddamn Joe Rogan length. So here we go. Um... Where should we start? Right. Well, as I touched on earlier, it started back in the 1960s when the whole Jesus movement was straight vibing and everyone wanted peace. You know, the group, the children of God, later known as the family, which is the one I grew up in, was started by a guy called David Berg in California, USA. Now, the message he started it out on was that of, you know, there's you know, just there's more to life than running on the hamster wheel. Get out of the rat race. He said, drop out. And it was a perfect time for people to love that message. This was the era of the hippie. And <laughs> if you ever want to see the hippies in their prime, Google image Woodstock Festival. It's, it is scarring. If you ever want an example of when people say, I can never unsee that, <laughs> Google, Google image that shit, because you will see nothing but saggy, tit, saggy tits. You will see big bushes of, and these are not leafy bushes. These are, the bushes that I'm speaking of do not have leaves. They... <laughs> Anyway, um, so people who loved Christ and only wanted to live for him joined the group and dropped out of society. And you may be wondering at this point, how the hell do you just not work but still be able to eat food or have money to afford to eat food? 
and have a roof over your head? Well, firstly, when you joined the group, you didn't just join a belief system. You joined a community. A community that tried their best to live and walk in Christ's footsteps. Which means everything that you had in that group, you shared with one another. Now, from what I know, is that at that time you would be going out on the streets, and I'm going to be quoting this, uh, spreading the message and getting others to join your way of living. And um, people would give you donations. I'm assuming they wouldn't just give it to you for nothing. You would ask for those donations. And then you would take that back to the home. And let me just add that everyone lived communally. And that money would be shared out on the things that the home needed. For example, rent or food or um, what else, whatever, whatever a home would need. And frequently, you would have three to four families living in one home. And that trait continued all the way down the line to even the point where I was born. And, you know, as the group gained popularity, the more the homes, the more homes they acquired. And they acquired these internationally. Now, my parents lived all over the world, actually. They lived in countries like India, Italy, South Africa, etc. So, yeah, I mean, they got their fair share of traveling in. Now, the majority of what the group believed came out of the Bible, but there was still a lot of influence by the cult leader, David Berg. Now, the problems came when he started interpreting the messages from the Bible and putting his own spin on things. Right now, two major things came from this, and they are certainly not of equal magnitude. The first was the impending end of the world, which was traumatizing for me personally, um, which I will get into in my next episode. And secondly, it was free love. Right now, because this is public knowledge and you could just go Google search it, I'll briefly cover it now because otherwise you're going to be horrified if you Google search it and you read what's online without context. Now, David Berg believed in free love, and he wasn't the only person who believed it back then. From what I know about the 70s and the 80s is that it was, what can I say, a sexually, <laughs> sexually liberal era. Now, that along with the absence of safe sex with condoms made things like HIV spread super fast back then. You know, he, David Berg would encourage his following to show their love to one another through God's gift to humanity, sex. And as you can imagine, this led down a very dark and dangerous path because what he failed to comprehend is that he was preaching this message to humans this free love message, yes, he was preaching it to humans, the beings that are highly flawed and have a great capacity for evil. Now, this is this is what frustrates me about what about people 
who preach an idealistic ideology. Yes, in theory, if everyone treated one another with respect and love, the world would be a better place. But is that reality? No, because last time I checked, there were still Jeffrey Dahmer's and Jeffrey Epstein's around. And you can't tell people like that that free love is okay. It's just dangerous for everyone. So at this point, you can probably guess where this leads. Yes, it got out of hand. And there were even cases of minors being victims of this ultimately flawed belief system. Very flawed. And I don't even want to stay on this topic for too long because it's so touchy and out of respect to the people who were involved, I don't feel competent enough to even speak on such a, a charged subject. And I think at this point, let me make it very clear that I, nor any of my family members, experienced any of this and very fortunately have come out emotionally and mentally intact. Sadly, this, um, this wasn't the case for many people who grew up in the organization. It's 30 people in the last 10 years have committed suicide. So clearly there has been a lot of damage being done by David Berg's messages. Now on that note, let me, let me change the subject. Um, or let, me, let me change the topic to a couple more things about the family before we wrap things up for this episode. It was always, it was always a very us versus them feeling in the cult. Um, this is because the people in the family, and I'm talking about the family as in the name of the cult, the family, believed that um, they, they held the truth about this world. You know, they, they were the awake and the aware and everyone else needed to be shown the light. The funny thing about growing up in an organization like this is that you don't really know any different. It's completely normal because you don't really have anything to, to compare to. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I drew on in the beginning. I, this is kind of like, I, in complete transparency, I only found out that I was part of the group a few years ago because I didn't know any different. I just kind of assumed it was a regular organization. So I think that in this episode, I've given a brief explanation of the cult and its characteristics. Now, the way that I would like to structure this podcast is I'm going to pick a topic because I, I it's what's really hard about it is that it's almost like giving a, a biography of your life, but each subject has so much substance to it that needs explaining and it needs fleshing out because the point of this is, is that I'm not just going to be chatting away about what happened to me. I'm going to be drawing lessons life lessons from an upbringing like this. So for example, in my next episode, I'm going to be talking about the end of the world, um, which is what I, I grew up being told, um, and, and what that did to, or what it can do to someone psychologically. You know, how, what, what happens to a person if they don't 
regard, um, you know, say, for example, wanting to get a good education. You know, you, you don't think about those kind of things because you're preparing for the end of the world. You don't think that you're going to grow up and have children because shit, the world ain't going to be around for kids to be in. Um, and this is the whole reason I named it From Cult to Consciousness. It's a very, you know, um, thought out title because symbolically cult represents a blind following, a blind existence. And on the completely opposite side to that spectrum is consciousness. And that is being awake and aware of your surroundings, your life, and where it's going, etc. And I feel like I started this journey, as in my life, on one side of the spectrum. And through the years, through a lot of curiosity, through a lot of research, through a lot of introspection, self-discovery, um, I'm rediscovering everything that I myself now believe. Um, you know, that, that can, that's the whole structure of life. That's religion. That's, it's, um, it's massive and I, and it, and it cannot be understated. So each episode is going to be a step closer to finding real, true identity through each podcast. So I hope that that has well, it's, it's been a, a good episode. I know I probably could have um, described it more or at least better. But I find that, you know, I, I kind of start lagging. <laughs> My brain at least starts lagging. And it's, it's hard to conceptualize all of these thoughts uh, when, you're, when you're just trying to do this uncut. Um, but each episode will probably get better, longer. Um, so, yeah. Hope you enjoyed the first one, and you can look forward to my next one about the end of the goddamn world. This has been episode one. I hope you've enjoyed it. Much love and goodbye. <laughs>